Podcast. Episode 25. Let's get it. You're listening to the main event. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the main event. I'm your main man, your host of the most. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, look, if this is your first time checking out the main event, God bless you. Buckle up, we're going to have a nice episode. If you're a regular subscriber, God bless you too. I think all five of you guys uh, should get together and have dinner. But for everybody else, I need you to go to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, check me out there, search for keywords, the main event podcast. You can check out all the episodes, and I'm guaranteeing you it's going to be fire. Or you can go to my website, www.themainEventPodcast.com. It's got links to my Instagram, my Facebook, uh, my Twitter. Follow me there. I'm not really very, very active on Twitter. Uh, I guess it's not very presidential to me. I don't know. Anyway, uh, this week, um, man, I'm just in a great mood. Um, for one thing, by the time you listen to this podcast, I should be overseas. <laughs> I recorded early and, uh, posted, uh, weekly, like I said I would, uh, but trying to get to it early and, um, I'll, I'll publish it, but I should be overseas, uh, doing my first, uh, 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 mission with the, uh, C-17 and North Carolina National Guard. Uh, I'm real, real hyped about that. It's, um, it's a great airplane, and uh, so this is my my third cargo airframe in the uh, in the Air Force. I started off um, in 1997 on C5 Galaxies out of Dover, Delaware. I uh, I came home after my first enlistment and joined the Air National Guard and flew C-130s for um, almost 18 years, and now I'm on the uh, C-17 Globemaster. And uh, so it, it feels good to be back on a big airplane, going overseas and traveling and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming up in the uh, next couple of months. Not that I was going to say weeks, but in really months in terms of uh, me traveling and being on the road and uh, just trying to get my uh, my on-the-job training with the with this airplane. I'm um, still doing the same job, cargo loadmaster. Um, and so uh, for, for those that don't know what that is, uh, basically I'm responsible for the weight and balance of the aircraft. Um, uh Cargo handling, uh, hazardous material, um, any loading issues with the airplane, uh, operating our airplane systems, uh, doors, hatches, you know, uh, generators, engines, blah, 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 um, pasture handling, um, pasture handling and comfort and safety. Let me throw that in there too. Uh, so just, uh, been an air crew, uh, been air crew for between two years. I've been in Air Force in April. April 30th, 1997 is when I joined. So 
here on April 30th. Um, it'll be 22 years. And so, uh, I've enjoyed every bit of it. It's, uh, uh, well, you know, let me caveat that. I've, I've enjoyed a lot of it. I've enjoyed a lot of it. Uh, some of it sucked. Um, uh, I don't ever really need to go and stay in Afghanistan again. This airplane will transition, uh, back and forth. And that's kind of the cool thing about this airplane is that because of its range, um, we get up and go and get to a lot of different places. Uh, and so, uh, same thing that I used to do in C5 130s are, um, are more tactical, uh, use airplanes and stuff. And so, uh, watch bread traveling. I mean, I, I traveled in 130. I did. Uh, those are hard hours in 130. Uh, cause it's just not as fast as a jet. It's a, uh, a, a turbo prop, but it's still a prop airplane. And, um, so getting back into a, a fast jet again and, uh, climbing high and going fast and stuff, uh, it's going to be fun. So, um, and I, and I'll, if you follow me on my Instagram, there'll definitely be pictures. Definitely be pictures. Of, of the places I'm going and things and different things were loaded up and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, check that out. Um, and that, and that everything's under the main event. So if you look at the main event, you'll, you'll see all that stuff. Um, but like I say, I'm, I'm real happy for that reason. There's some other reasons. I'm just, I'm in a very, very good mood. And I know, um, uh, I know a, a, a lot in the last, um, uh, probably this year of the podcast has been a more um, uh, serious slash educational slash, you know, me talking at you kind of tone, but um, uh, and that's just kind of in my mind, the maturation of what I feel comfortable talking to and maybe the description of what my podcast really is about is, is, is going to change. And I kind of feel it's, uh, it's a, uh, a, yeah, I, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to call it right now. I, I really don't. Uh, I'm just having fun. I hope you guys are, uh, you're having a good week. Uh, I hope the podcast finds you doing well. Um, you know, this week, um, I didn't have a guest. I had a really good guest, uh, uh, last week, Aliana uh, Thornton. She came on. She actually came to the studio, uh, aka the house. Um, and sat down and, uh, did a podcast with me. And so some other people have said, Hey, how do I, you know, if you've got something that you want to promote or whatever, Hey, just, just call me up. I can do, you can either come to the house. If you're far away, we can do, uh, Skype. We can do phone. Um, I got a nice mixing board. I can mix you into the um, podcast and we can chop it up. So whatever you really want to talk about, whatever you want to promote and stuff, even if you don't have anything to promote and there's just something that you want, you say, Hey man, I listen to podcasts. Can I be on the podcast? We are not that popular where you cannot be on the podcast. So there's your open call, open invitation. Uh, slide into my DMs, um, uh, or send me a chat, uh, send me a text or hit me on the website or any of my social media really. Um, I'm pretty good with keeping up and responding to people on there. I think I am. Um, so, uh, send me a message and most definitely we try to work something out. Um, I will always try to spin in a course, you know, when we talk, uh, back to either some leadership or some real estate or some, uh, entrepreneurship type stuff, uh, just because I dig it and I use that as a reason to, uh, say that this is advertisement for my real estate business. So if the IRS is listening, they can, you know, consistently hear me talking about it. Um, and therefore this is not just going to complete a complete hobby for me. Um, so it's, I don't have any sponsors. And I have to pay out of pocket. I'm trying to recoup some of this money. Not unlike the parents, uh, out there, 
uh, in the Kyle Sheet scandal. Who, uh, if you hadn't heard about this, uh, you're under a rock. But if you listen to my podcast, you definitely know about this. But so there's parents out there to include Aunt Becky from the TV show Full House. Uh, I forget what the actress's name is, but she was, um, she's caught up in this too, where they were paying this guy to help them, uh, get their kids into school. And they were doing it, um, uh, one or two ways, really. They were either paying, uh, people to help their kids cheat on the, um, on the college interest exams, or they were bribing colleges and coaches, um, to uh, recruit their children as athletes because the stands for athletes are lower than those for everybody else academic wise and they were uh, trying to get them in uh, that way and they would like bring them on a team and then they would never play they cut, once they got into school they would cut them on the team or whatever um, so this has been a big thing and quite honestly so we've always, we've always known that people with privilege and stuff have always had a advantage when getting into uh Institutes of uh, higher learning. Um, I mean, that's nothing new. I don't think that's anything new. I think people. I think the uh, and so some people would say, "Well, what's the what's the big deal if it's always been going on?" And you know, was it really? Well, there's a couple things. The um, the um, morality part of it is is that there are children out there who don't have the advantages because. These people were paying, like, one parent like paid, like, 6.5 mil um, to get a, get a kid in. Um, I mean, you can actually just buy smarter kids at that point, I think. I think in fact, it, honestly, you know, as we talk about um, uh, being business owners and stuff like that, if, if you've got that kind of money, your kid doesn't need college, does he? Could you just give them that money to start their own business? Like, do they really need um, a degree from USC uh, to turn around and do the same thing that they were going to do before that? I guess it just sounds good at the uh, at the parties and stuff. Oh yeah, you know, such and such is that you know way of college at USC and stuff. You know, so, you know I, I guess that just sounds better. Uh, but honestly, if uh, even when I was talking to somebody about some of the prices uh, for colleges in the uh, in North Carolina, particularly in Charlotte. Uh, I know a couple of years ago, Johnson and Wales, which is a uh, very, very uh, nice uh, culinary school, I think they were paying like thirty thousand dollars a year to go to Johnson and Wales. And uh, I could sit around and talk to you about return on investment and stuff like that all day, college in general, uh, about whether you're getting the bang for your buck for that kind of stuff. But the um, thirty thousand dollars a year, I mean, people. Don't go to college and try to make $30,000 a year. You know what I mean? If like you've got that, I just feel like that you could, um, instead of paying your kids to go work for somebody else, you could give the money to your kids and invest in them in their future and stuff. But, uh, so the, these, but these parents, um, actors and just wealthy people in Hollywood really got caught up in the scheme where they were paying this guy who did not look like a mastermind, but he was masterminding this thing. And he's actually the one that flipped and started wearing wires and turned everybody in. Uh, because of course there is no such thing as honor among thieves or bribers or whatever you want to call it. But so, so these parents, um, were really taking away a spot from the kids who were trying to work hard to legitimately get in because, you know, there's only so much space in college. 
don't know how that is, but you know they they only have so many people they admit every year and stuff. So there might have been somebody else who actually deserved that spot, um, and didn't get in because they brought their way in for that spot. So that's the morality part of it and stuff. And it's so funny because uh, I actually heard uh, this past week that some of that uh, some of the parents were like, "Well, it was affirmative action <laughs> that drove them to this." Um, I will talk about affirmative action uh, in detail one day. I'm sure I will. I'm just sure I will. It's it's, it's a topic uh, that kind of makes me chuckle when people talk about it because they don't they misunderstand. Affirmative action works this way: if there are two applicants that have the same credentials, you legally can choose either applicant. Now, what a lot of people want to say is, no, 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 Jermaine, that's not true. If one of them is a minority, you have to choose a minority. That's not affirmative action. Affirmative action was put in place because there were people who would come in, a minority would come in with a master's degree, a uh, non-minority white person would come in with a uh, associate's degree, and they would hire the person with the associates. That was affirmative action. What they said, you need to be able to justify why the person who had the better resume and was more qualified did not get in. Because that's what was happening. Um, people like to spin things to, you know, to their narrative and stuff, but affirmative action was not if two people were equal, uh, the minority won the race. That's not what affirmative action is. Affirmative action meant that, um, if I was more qualified than you, then I should get the job. And if I didn't get the job, then you need to justify why I didn't get the job. Um, because again, that's why it was, imp- that's why it was implemented. Now, uh, I'm not saying that like any tool that there might not be some people out there, uh, because they misinterpret it and they don't, people don't read anything anymore. I could quote some stuff, uh, over and over on Facebook and there were people who would just automatically just believe me whether it was true or not. Um, and I could like, um, I could cite some sources and stuff. And because if I, if I presented it in a manner that looked like it was actually real information, aka fake news, if I was able to, uh, to mimic what information looks like, most people wouldn't even research past what I was talking about or, uh, go, go into it. And people just don't, we don't uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, people don't. But, um, yeah, but that was one of the excuses for the parents and stuff. And when you hear stuff like that, it's kind of disheartening to me because I'm like, hey, you know, one, you need to believe in your children and you need to support your children no matter what. Um, if your children are disabled, um, then you, you know what I mean? You, you'll, you'll, you'll take care of them. And if you're, if your children aren't, if they're not fucking bright enough to get in USC, then maybe there's a local college they can get into. And a lot of that stuff in my mind has less to do with, I want the best for my children versus this is an ego thing for me. And my children are a reflection of me. And what, what does it say about me if they're not getting into these elite schools? And so I'm not so much, I'm not convinced that people are doing those kind of things for just pure hard reasons. Um, and then, uh, but the, uh, but that's the morality side of it and, uh, some of the social side of it. Uh, the illegal side of it is, is that on top of making these bribes and stuff, um, they would contribute to this guy's, uh, fake company, uh, this money, uh, is a bribe to be passed along and then they would file it on their taxes. Uh, so they were trying to, uh, shit the IRS. And that's where the shit hits the fan. So, and that's what, uh, makes this, uh, something that DOJ would look at, 
uh, Department of Justice would look at because um, now you're committing a crime. You're committing fraud, um, real fraud, because the other fraud is slap you on the wrist. Um, maybe it's about your kids. Um, case by case scenario for that thing because a lot of kids didn't know that they were being they were involved in this um, some of them did and didn't care but I think a lot of them didn't know from what I heard um, so it, it becomes a, a real issue in terms of you know how do you how do you examine that because you know the kids are innocent they're they're literally you know they got this tutor um, they think that they're just getting you know extra stuff and their scores are going up and they don't know that the other people are cheating for them and you know, redoing their answers and stuff. They don't know all this stuff and they think they legitimately got in school and they're trying to harden school now and they're good students and they're good individuals and stuff. So, you know, how does that work out? And, um, and, and I, and I don't pretend to have the answers, uh, because it's very, very complex. And, uh, like a lot of things in life, uh, one size fits all isn't just, it's not going to work. One size fits all, uh, absolutely is not going to work in the situation. So, when I uh, when I think about it, and I think about um, how um, what the punishment should be for these parents and stuff, um, I kind of look to what's happened before. There are people in um, other communities and stuff who have tried to do similar things and have been punished for it. Um, whether it's lying about an address so your kid can go across town to a better school, um, you know, uh, uh, those kind of things. There are uh, people of color who've been jailed for that kind of stuff. So I'm thinking that Aunt Becky needs to go to the to, to the big house, not full house, um, because that's what the that's what equality is about, right? You know, kind of the same crime, same punishment, and this is kind of worse. Uh, because for a lot of these people it involved tax fraud. So I mean it's just my two cents. I don't know. Like I say, I'm in a <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a great mood this week. I really am. And so um I, I kinda felt like, you know, when I when I talked today that I would talk about things that made me laugh and that and that did. It made me laugh. It made me laugh talking about the uh uh the college cheating scandal because I'm like it was so unnecessary uh, because they, they simply could have just, um, because he, like I say again, these are people who are paying six million, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get them in. Obviously, they were going to the best schools. Obviously, they were already getting the best education. They already had a head start. If you, you know what I mean? And so, uh, it just kind of makes you laugh that you think you need to do all this stuff. And again, if you got 6.5 million, um, I say that you just, you call up Jermaine Parker. I work for Keller Williams University as a realtor and I will find you some investment properties um, with that money and we will get you all hooked up. Um, in fact, my uh, property management LLC will run all those, all, all those investment properties for you and um, take, yeah, we'll, we'll have you taken care of. And you don't have to worry because at the end of the day, I think we all want the same thing, especially if, you know, for parents and stuff. You want your kids to do well and stuff. And if you got 6.5 mil, uh, call me. I can make sure your, your kids do well for it. It would be hard for them. They'd have to sell everything. Um, for, you know, and they would still double up their money selling everything after we got it bought and stuff, uh, trying to flip and stuff. But I mean, we, we, you could take care of people. I mean, they could take care of themselves. They don't need a college education. You, and you don't, if you got 6.5 million on that round, you don't need a college education. You're good. 
Uh, that's for people trying to get a job. <laughs> so they can feed themselves. You can feed yourself. Uh, uh, health insurance is not one of your issues. Uh, so, but, you know, as happy as I am, I, I was a little sad in this week because, uh, they had the, uh, they had the mass shooting down in, uh, New Zealand at Christchurch and, uh, um, very nice country, and again, as a uh, as an international traveler and stuff, have opportunities to go different places and meeting people from different places. Um, it's always sad to hear about those kind of things uh, happening out there in the world, and um, so um, the prime minister, I, I can't remember her name. She's been super duper doing all this stuff. Um, they just banned all their assault weapons. Banned them. Like took ten days. We've been mass shooting in the U.S. forever and ever and ever and ever. And so, while that's amazing, and um, I know I, I I even talked about gun control here um, in one of my first podcasts. And so, I have uh, I've tried to learn a bit a little bit more stuff. Uh, I'm a gun owner. Uh, I plan on buying more guns. Um, I don't feel like I'm a gun nut. Um, I do think if I had 6.5 million, I'd have a ton of guns. There's some really nice guns that I like to shoot. I like to shoot. Um, but, um, in fact, I, um, I'm, I'm teaching my girls how to shoot. I got an air rifle, um, uh, 171, uh, air rifle that I have them do target practice in the backyard with. Um, but uh, I think the problem that people have with uh, in America the whole gun thing uh, is that uh, some people uh, view them as tools, and um, like that's like I do. I view them as, I view them as a tool, um, and other people just view them as weapons of destruction. Just point out, period. Like there's nothing you know. The only thing you use a gun for is to kill people, and that's not the only thing you use a gun for. But it is a pretty good uh, thing to do uh, to have because there have been some uh, bad people killed by guns, uh, just like there have been some good people killed by guns. And um, so I think that the, the the argument is very complicated and stuff. And like I said, you know, so uh, especially um, in the the since the beginning of this year and stuff, and uh, especially in Black History Month, I was you know, hey, I'm a I'm a black man. And, um, I, I, I tell that to people um, just for the sake that they understand that a lot of the issues that I talk about are issues that either confront me directly, or they confront my um, my children, or they or, or my community, and I'm a big part of all those things. So um, I need to be involved in those things and these discussions and stuff. And you know, I don't quite consider I don't consider myself an activist or anything like that, but. I know that um, uh, that uh, there are people who are who who do these things, and I when I say these things, who who study these issues and uh, bring light to certain things. One of the people that I've been following a lot of lately is a rapper named Killer Mike, and I mentioned Killer Mike before. He's got a, a series on Netflix. Please go check it out. Uh, trigger warning. Um, good time for you. Uh, but Killer Mike, uh, has been, uh, very socially active, uh, for years. And, uh, he's had some, 
uh, he said some things that have been uh, controversial in terms of gun control and stuff, and he's uh, um, for black people and stuff, and, and things that um, I kind of, after listening to Mike, I kind of agree with, and there are a lot of different things, and as I get on to other podcasts that really deal with that kind of stuff, uh, we can talk about them. But I did want to have a short conversation about a clip I just recently heard from, cause it's been out there for a while. I just heard it. Uh, and maybe this will be your first time hearing it. Um, but I'm going to play the clip and then you can tell me what you, I'll tell you what I think in, in the comments later on. You can kind of say, Hey man, uh, I feel you on that or I don't feel you on that. But hey, take a listen, uh, short clip. Um, but Mike goes off on this clip. Um, uh, you know what? I'm not even gonna set it up. Normally, I would set up the clip, but I'm gonna set up. I'm just gonna play it for you. I have to say this because I know our spirit and our emotions get stirred. I'm not against nobody on the panel. I'm with everybody on the panel. I'm not diametrically opposed to anybody on the panel. I agree with everything my brother said about revolutionaryism. So let me ask you guys a few questions. We're in the South. We're in the heart of the South right now. Who fishes? Who knows how to fish? Hands down. Who knows how to hunt? Less hands. Hands down. Who shoots on a regular basis, meaning once or twice weekly? Hands down. Now you see how many hands? Who farms or grows their own food right now? Hmm. Hands down. You ain't ready to oppose nothing. You are as a part of this system as any white person gentrified in this city. And you can't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about because I've lived in this neighborhood long enough to know when, when two out of every five yards had a garden in the back. I'm old enough to know him when the Muslim community was the strongest security force and food their own food force in this community. Black people, I love you and I love you enough to tell you you ain't ready to revolt shit. You don't feed yourself. You don't hunt your own animals and slaughter them. You don't prepare for your own meat. You don't own your own land. You don't have a seed growing in your window. So when you think about revolutionarism and you think about fighting and dying in the street, you ain't shit if you can't feed your children. You ain't nothing if you can't teach your children to hunt. I've been hearing this revolutionary talk all my life. All my life I've been seeing leaders get before me and tell me how much of a strong warrior and just like the United States Army, just like the military I've seen their words, send black boys off to die in the street fighting and arguing with police you have no win he was innocent and he got 19 years, his mama couldn't afford the right lawyer his dad didn't know a senator you have no wins If you, how many of you practice a martial art today? who practices a martial art today? How many boys are practicing a martial art in your community today? Today. That's what I'm saying. We're not ready to fight. You say fight back, fight the police. The police are trained to shoot. They're trained in martial combat. We're not. What are we going to do? Now, I'm not saying give up. I'm not saying you can't train yourself. But what I'm saying is, if you're not training every week, if you're not shooting every week, if you're not knowing how to grow your own food, arguing with me and arguing with the police ain't going to do nothing. Because if we all leave right now, if we all leave right now, and we got a speed ticket, we ain't all going to agree not to pay it. You understand what I'm saying? I agree we still slaves. I'm telling you right now today, Malcolm said by any means 
necessary. By any means necessary. And we're talking about children. We're talking about young men. These boys aren't even intelligent enough yet not to know what girl not to like. They're not even intelligent enough yet not to know how to, I always should have a condom. They're not even intelligent enough yet to know not to argue with their teachers. Don't send these babies off to die because you didn't die when you was 21. Don't you send these babies off to die because you feel like you missed the 60s and the 70s. I want to see more black attorneys, more black law enforcement. I want to see more black people pooling their money to run their own candidates. I want to see more black police officers that are from the neighborhood because I'm telling you I'm telling you they tried to leave one time and they formed Liberia look at Liberia now look at what Haiti did they revolted every European country punishes Haiti for revolting so if you're not going to revolt tomorrow if you're not going to do like Elijah said and take all the southern states if you're not going to gentrify Alabama stop trying to grow warriors to fight a fight you too scared to fight you pay your speed tickets you ain't not paying your tickets Telling kids how to bust out every car window. And then when they riot, you never there with them. When they riot, where's the church? Where are the teachers? Where are the institutions? So I'm just saying, you do what you want to. But as for me in my house, I'm going to raise a warrior that knows how to use his hands, knows how to use his mind, and loves the people with his heart. Your job, your job is to survive the encounter. Survive the encounter. And when daddy gets there with a lawyer, when daddy makes sure you got a judge that looks like you, we'll deal with that other shit. But you survive the encounter, young man. Don't you down the side of the goddamn street like a dog. Man, give my mic be going in on him. He be going in on him. So it was actually, uh, he was at a, uh, at a, uh, town hall type meeting at his church. And so what, what happened that led Mike down there? They were talking about, um, you know, standing up and, um, and, and I've talked about, uh, Black Lives Matter and, uh, that the whole spectrum of police brutality and, um, and so pe- people were talking about, you know, uh, the, the different angles and, you know, we need to resist and stuff like that. Mike's like, you're not ready to resist. Uh, this kind of focuses in my gun conversation simply because, uh, one, uh, Mike's a, uh, uh, pro gun, uh, advocate and, uh, even talks about supporting the NRA and stuff when people are, are definitely now not talking about that and supporting guns. Uh, because it just doesn't sound right in our community and stuff. And, um, and, uh, one of the things that Mike says when we talk about gun control or any law stuff is, is in our community, African American community, you have to look at that stuff because, uh, when laws are, are reform or introduced, they usually hit us first and worse. Um, <laughs> so like when, when it was a, uh, the war on drugs and stuff hit us first, hit us worse. Uh, there are, uh, millions of African Americans behind bars on marijuana charges, and there are people in Colorado who are getting rich off of it now. And so, you know, if you can't see the hypocrisy of states still holding people and not a bunch of records for stuff that, uh, is now legal to do in those states and stuff, um, you, you, well, you probably don't even listen to this podcast, to be honest. You're probably not even listening to me. Uh, you got your mind made up on a whole nother, uh, <laughs> load of shit. And, uh, this is not doing it for you. But so, uh, and, 
And that whole thing uh, that he was talking about, uh, like I say, it's a lot to unpack because he taught, he touched on so many different things and stuff. But basically what he's saying is like, you can't separate yourself. You're not, you can't be separate from the system if you can't be self-sufficient. You can't say that I want this thing to be better, um, but I'm still dependent on it the way that it is in the context it is right now. You have to be able to be able to be different and self-sufficient in order to separate, resist, and reform. And um, so when we talk about uh, what happened in uh, New Zealand and, and what happened in Christchurch and with the mass shooting, the mass shootings that happened here and stuff, um, I, what, I, what I bring back to that is, is that uh, if we want reform here, um, we can't be as reliant on there. Other countries aren't as guns are not as ingrained in their society as they are in America. And until we stop that, you know, and plus the other thing too is that, um, we, we, I know that a lot of people talk about, um, uh, terrorism and, um, and, and, and in context of, uh, 2019 and definitely 2018, uh, white nationalism, um, is the leading terrorist, terrorist force in the U.S. and the most deadly. Uh, in fact, the only deadly, uh, all last year. Uh, there were no people killed in terrorist attacks that were not killed by white nationalists. And so, um, but, but I know one of the things that are kind of linked to white nationalists is the, the, the call that the protection of the uh, second amendment and the call to arms, um, because, uh, of the tyrannical governments and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, uh, for people of color, um, you want your Second Amendment because you've already had, you know, white nationalists are talking about a theory. And I'd say people of color, we're talking about a reality. You've been oppressed. You've had your rights taken. You've had the government dehumanize and, and enslave you. That's what white nationalists fear. But it's a reality for African Americans and other people of color but particularly African Americans in this context of enslavement. So the, the, this good, this very government has shown the propensity to do things that make um, discrimination legalized uh, for African Americans and stuff. And so, for no other reason, uh, I think I don't I don't understand why Black people get behind the um, the uh, no gun movement. Uh, you should all have a gun. Um, <laughs> you should all have a gun to protect yourself and protect your family and stuff. And that's kind of what Killer Mike was getting at. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna train, I'm gonna, I'm gonna segue to, uh, the whole thing about, you know, but if you want that transformation and stuff, uh, you've got to have, um, you've got to be able to separate yourself from the system. So, uh, one of the things that we always talk about in the Air Force is one team, one fight. Um, because we're, we talk about operating as a, as a team together uh, to pursue uh, our goals. And in fact, at the, uh, Aliana last week was talking about a quote and I finished it for, uh, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, you go together. And that's what we're talking about. But in, t- in terms of what I want to throw in here is for some leadership stuff. So, uh, cause I hadn't really had a really good, uh, in my mind, some 
um, just me talking about leadership in a little bit. And so I just want to share with you a little bit my leadership philosophy when we talk about one team, one fight, uh, and going further together and uh, why it's important that you be able to be independent and uh, not always, uh, if you want to break the system, you got to be able to sustain yourself once you've broken away from that system. Um, and a lot of times we, we roll into um, our jobs and stuff and there's already an established uh, um, culture of leadership and the mindset of leadership that that environment is already set when we get there. And a lot of us complain about that environment when we get there, that it's not what we wanted. It needs to change and stuff. And um, I, I, I know professionally for myself, being in environments where there is um, uh, weak leadership, um, no leadership, uh, or a just complete uh, breakdown and failure of leadership, um, those environments become very toxic and stuff. And so, you know, what do you say? Well, how do you change that? And I believe that that's when you, uh, when you talk about uh, your revolution at work and how you're going to do that, um, you have to be able to self-sustain. And, and I don't mean that you go to Wells Fargo and you start your own bank inside the bank. That's not what I mean. Uh, what I mean is that, that there's an established, uh, culture of leadership there and you have to break away from that because it's broken, but you've got to be able to do things independently of that culture and still be successful. Um, as Mike was talking about it, because if you can't feed your kids at the end of the day, you ain't shit. Well, if you can't take your people at the end of the day, then you're not shit and you're not ready to make that revolutionary stance in your workplace. You, If you can't break away from those ideas and be able to take care of yourself, then you're not ready. And you need to figure out some of the leadership uh, mantras and some of the leadership techniques that will allow you to still act independently of an established culture, especially when that culture is not doing what it needs to do for its people and reestablish with inside of it a revolution of leadership. And that really, like I say, so when I, I talk to the military, we talk about one team, Air Force, talk about one team, one fight. Um, that's part of it is that you got to have a buy-in from everybody else that, hey, look, we understand that what's going on right now isn't good, but we want to make it better, and we're going to buy into this, and we're going to focus in on trying to make it better. You know, unfortunately, what happens when you don't have uh, leadership, whether it be because it's absent or weak, um, is that I, I tell people, I say, people go feral. And what I mean by that is that they never, they no longer concentrate on groupthink. It's all individual. And while some motives, um, may not be purely selfish, uh, all are self-centered. And they, and they, and they are simply because, uh, the group has not been harmonized and moved in the same direction. Let me break that down for you. If you have a strong leader, he can get your team on the same sheet of music and you can all play the same songs, play the same song. If you lack that conductor, that person to get you in harmony, what happens is, is that even though the members of the bands are professional, the guy playing flutes playing his own song because he thinks it sounds best or maybe that's what we played before. The guy on drums is on his own beat. And because he's got the drums, he's carrying the rhythm for the section, and maybe he's throwing other people off because of his rhythm. 
because they're trying to do their own thing. Everybody's trying to play a good song, but they're not playing the same song. Everybody's trying to put on a good show, but because it's not done in coordination, it looks like a bunch of buffoons and you're not doing, you're not being productive. And you, and you can find this and there's very, there's lots of signs as grown people. We see those every day in our workplaces and stuff where our leadership is not being effective and we're not really getting our point across. And we're like, why, why, why is the team failing? Because the team isn't a team. You're not one team. It's not one fight. And you got to have that. And that's what, that's what strong leadership does for you. Strong leadership, um, because leadership's influence, basically. And if you're real good at it, it's manipulation. But leadership is influence, the power to influence people. And a strong leader influences people to not be self-centered, to look towards the group, to put their personal needs aside on the short term, knowing that long term, if the group succeeds, we all succeed. Like I say, if you want to go there fast, go by yourself. If you want to go further, you go together. So... When I'm talking about our leadership for the, when I'm talking about leadership for today, that's kind of my, 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 my going to you is that, you know, it's one team, one fight. Uh, you, you're better together than you are apart. Uh, cause the sum of, of your parts make up, um, make up the whole, the whole is better than some parts. And so it's important, um, to wrap it all back around. Whether we're talking about um, uh, kids cheating, <laughs> whether we're talking about uh, the uh, social economic revolution of a uh, of a underappreciated and targeted community, or we're talking about just your workplace, uh, the theme is is that if we can stop being selfish, if we can get some strong leadership, if we can come together and be on the same sheet of music. We can all get to where we need to go. All of us. And, you know, in, in, in my mind, really encompassing everything I talked about today, it all kind of links back together. If we have strongly, and we just hadn't had, like in this country, we just have not had really strong leadership. One of the things I was talking about the other day was, is that I was kind of, you know, and I, I try to stay apolitical. Uh, on the podcast because politics is its own cesspool of venomous, it'd be just venomous ideas and hate and stuff like that. But one of the things I, I, I will say is that, uh, I wish that we would, uh, introduce, uh, more parties. It was more than a, a two party system. Um, and I talked to a guy and I said that the other day. He said, well, if it's more than two parties though, you'll never get the majority of Americans. Uh, to vote for like the Ford presidency. Well, if it's like four candidates, then, um, then most of America won't have voted for the candidate they want. And which I politely tell them, I said, most of America votes for, um, American Idol more than, there are more votes for American Idol than there are for American president. Um, that's the society we live in. Uh, most people, for whatever reason, uh, and there's a lot of different reasons why some people who want to vote can't vote. Uh, they've been disenfranchised to the point that they can't. Um, but if there was more choice, and I don't think there's ever been a, a bad thing about more choice, I think what it would do is it would force parties to be less um, polar. Somebody would have to find middle ground in order to get majority vote. Somebody would have to take into, instead of, 
Well, either you, if you know, when you got an up or down on stuff, either you like this or you don't like this, and you only have two choices and stuff. Uh, and I think that's that's what happened a lot. I heard that a lot with the last presidential election, where people were like, "Well, I don't like either choice, uh, so I'm just going to vote this way." And so I think if you have that third, fourth choice, you go, "I don't like those two choices." And candidates have they can't just be extremists on views and stuff. They have to come towards the middle to work things out to get the popular vote. And so I mean that's just my small thing, but it, it really does go back to the strong leadership will lead you to that one team, one fight, because if you can get a strong leader, and like I said, we just hadn't had one um, in, in a long time, um, and you can, and don't judge me just on, you know, my opinion, look at history, uh, and 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 you can you can make your own judgments, uh, not a slight against anybody uh, currently out there, but uh, the reason that you appreciate the sun is because of darkness, uh, the reason that you think of uh, great actors is great actors because you see sucky actors, or whatever it is, a dish that you had, you know, uh, this is great chicken because I've had sucky chicken. Um, you know, so, uh, and I'm not saying that our politics sucks up. They are fractured and they are flawed. Um, but uh, we just hadn't had really revolutionary generational leadership in quite some time. And maybe, maybe we will. Maybe that's coming up for us. Uh, either the next election or the election after that. Maybe um, the, uh, the groundwork is being laid for that right now. But I do believe, again, that um, you, you have to be able to uh, take care of each other and prop each other up if you're going to make that, that revolution to make that change in your workplace, if you're going to make that change in your, um, in your life, if you're going to make a change in your family and stuff. Um, and really, like I say, it goes back down to the, to the even to the college uh, cheat scandals. If I believe there was better leadership in the house, um, you wouldn't have this stuff going on. There would have been, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And there would have been other options available and the recognition that you don't need um, uh, a name in order to be successful in terms of your college and stuff. There are a lot of people out here, you don't know, you don't have no idea uh, where they went to school <laughs> and they're doing really big things because it's an individual effort that uh, creates your success um, later on in life. Um, so I'll, I'll, um, I don't know. I was trying to think of, uh, some real estate stuff to talk about. Um, uh, I'll be back in the country, um, late this week, whenever the podcast comes out late this week, I'll be back in the country. Uh, I'm still getting my stuff together. Really? Uh, I, uh, uh, thank you for, for everybody that's, uh, that's, uh, try to hit me up and, and, and asked about, uh, properties and stuff like that. And, and, and talk to me about uh, investment um, because I'm really serious about because uh, I, I would love to sell you a house um, that's not um, really I mean unless unless I just become the, the house whisperer and I'm, I'm on a hot streak selling houses I'm, I'm never going to just stop doing stuff uh, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll pile on top but um, in, in terms of me and my portfolio and what I'm trying to do uh, it, it is investment and uh and like say, and then on the backside of that property management for me to, to manage my own properties and, and hopefully when they, um, help you buy and manage your properties too and let you get in on this, uh, this wealth management and this generational wealth that we're talking about. And that's what, that's, that's what that's really important to me. Um, and when we talk about what your, your big why is, 
Um, I know uh, myself and Ollie had that conversation last week. Uh, I'm not sure if we recorded it. I can't remember now. It's been a week. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, but your big why, what drives you forward to do these things and stuff. And for me, like I say, it's my two little girls. They drive me forward. And so I really want to be successful because I want to be able to pass something on that to them and their children. Um, so, I mean, yeah. But like I said, when I started the podcast, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a great mood. Outstanding mood. And um, yeah, like I said, it has a lot to do with uh, getting back in an airplane again in a non-training environment and actually doing missions and then getting to travel the world and see the world again. Uh, when you're listening to this, I'll probably be in Germany. <laughs> I'll probably be in Germany drinking German beer, having a good time and stuff. So, hey, God bless you for, for listening to the podcast. Uh, do me a favor. Um, leave a comment. Uh on the website www.themaineventpodcast.com go check that out um, leave a comment there or leave a like there um, my Instagram it's all linked um, from my um, from my website but again you can you can find this podcast on iTunes Google Play Spotify wherever you get your uh, streaming uh, media from uh, I'm pretty much linked in there uh, I did talk about it, and in the next couple weeks, I am going to work on getting out a podcast on how to podcast. Because um, outside of real estate thing, that's probably outside of real estate. Can I be a guest? Um, how do you set up a podcast? As I was thinking about setting up a podcast. Uh, if you're in the Charlotte area, by all means, hit me up, and um, I'll, uh, I'll I will you can come to the house, and we can you can look at the equipment, and we can go step by step. And uh, I'm, I'm more than willing to share uh, a little bit of knowledge I have. Um, but like I said, sincerely, I, I appreciate everybody and uh, the support that I get on a weekly basis. Like I said, I've been able to put out a podcast. That was my goal for this year was to put out a podcast every week. Uh, I did get behind one week because I was uh, trying to finish up my school in Oklahoma. But I'm back home now. I am traveling I'm back home and, you know, I got my girls and, uh, but just like, you know, I snuck an hour, uh, to record this, uh, I'm going to make sure that I get a podcast out every week. And, um, yeah, please hit me up if you, you want to be on the podcast, uh, so we can coordinate some times and stuff. And like I said, I can get your Skype phone. You can come to the house in studio, maybe reveal it one day. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm in a great mood. I hope that this podcast finds you in a great mood. I love you all. Like, subscribe, share, do all that stuff. It's been another great episode of the main event podcast. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Hey, if you don't understand that joke, you need to go back to the podcast. Anyway, I'll see you next week. You're listening to the main event.